We are uh, finishing up a sermon series entitled, uh, we've got one more week, but uh, But God. So there's a blank before But God, and we have been filling that in with different stories. Our story, different people from the Scriptures. Uh, the first Sunday that I preached, we looked at a Scripture in Ephesians where it says that, that uh, when we were dead in our sins, uh, but God, because of His rich mercy and His great love with which He loved us, caused us to be alive together in Christ. And so our situation, if God doesn't respond and God isn't who He is, we're in dire Straits. And so this morning what we wanted to do is look at the life of Jonah and look at Jonah's but God story. If it weren't for God, where would Jonah be? So uh, this story has been told uh, throughout the generations. It's a wonderful story that children enjoy because there's a big fish involved. People call that fish a whale. Uh, Jonah gets swallowed by the whale. You know that? We, uh, our three daughters, when they were growing up, we had a children's book that had Jonah and the whale story in it. And when the whale spit out or the fish spit out Jonah, in the book it had the word patooey. So they wanted to read that book all the time because they would say, so let's say that together on three. One, two, three, patooey, patooey. Yeah, yeah, isn't that fun? It's just a fun word to say. Patooey. So if you say patooey during the sermon, it's not going to bother me. But uh, anyway, so this, this story has been told because it's so uh, interesting and so compelling. But there's deep spiritual truths within this wonderful, wonderful life of, of one of the prophets from the Old Testament. Uh, Jonah is mentioned in 2 Kings 14 uh, as one of the prophets who's speaking during the time of the divided kingdom, where there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, the ten tribes in the north, which was Israel, the two tribes in the south, which was Jonah, uh, Judah. Um, and so he was the prophet during that time. And so we find, and, and you might know this story, it's only four chapters long. So the book of Jonah in the Old Testament is a very short book. You can read it very quickly, and it's a wonderful narrative, so it, it, it reads very quickly. Um, but let me recount the story very quickly to you, and we're going to look at some of the spiritual truths that uh, we can take home today and can change our life and make us a better person. Uh, Jonah is a prophet, as I mentioned, and the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. And, and God tells Jonah, He says, I want you to go to Nineveh. Now let's put this, this, the map up there. I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city, that massive city, and I want you to proclaim my message. So Jonah is there near uh, Joppa, he's in the Holy Land, and Nineveh is about 550 miles away. Now this is on the uh, Tigris River, it's in uh, current day Iraq, it's near the current uh, city of Mosul. Uh, some of you guys have helped us make some chicken farms, you've given donations, so we have chicken farms now uh, in that area of refugees, Christian refugees who are who are displaced by ISIS who came in and now they've come back to that town and they're rebuilding their, their structure and that's part of the American Foundation for Relief and Reconciliation in the Middle East and, and you guys uh, have helped support some businesses that are trying to get back in that area, in the Nineveh Plain area. So God says I want you to go to Nineveh which is the, Assyrian, uh, the nation of Assyria, we'll talk about that in a minute, and I want you to tell them what I need them to hear from me. So, when you're reading that you think, okay, well here's a prophet, prophet's been given the Word of God, prophet goes and does what God tells him to do. But the twist in this story is that Jonah decides he is not going to do that. Now we find at the end of the book in chapter 4 why he decides not to do that, because he wants God to judge these people. He wants God to condemn these people. He doesn't want God to be merciful to them. And so we find that his motive for running away was, was basically just that. So what he does, he goes to Joppa, which is a town on the coast, and he gets on a boat that's going to go to Tarshish, which is in modern day Spain. 
which is in the opposite direction, right? 2,500 miles in an opposite direction. So not only is Jonah not going to do what God wants him to do, he's going to get as far away from Nineveh as he can get. That's his plan. So uh, let's uh, go up to the top, the next slide. So the reason he doesn't want to go to Nineveh to help them is because the Assyrians of the day were some of the most fierce warriors in history. They not only were victorious in battle, but they were very cruel to the people they conquered. They were very harsh with the people that they defeated in battle. They would torture them by doing all kinds of things I'm not going to talk about. They were immoral in their activity toward one another and, and toward the people they conquered. It was, a, it was a terrible group of people in the sense that if you were their enemy, you didn't want to be their enemy because they would conquer you and torture you and destroy you. And, and not just by killing you with an arrow or something, but it was bad. So when God says, I want you to go to that town and I want you to prophesy to them, Jonah's saying, yeah, I want you to wipe them out, God, because of how horrible they are. Now we know in 722 the Assyrians came down and conquered the northern kingdom, the kingdom that he was a part of. They took them captive and, and wiped out a lot of the, the people of God. So this was, this was a bad town. This was a horrible group of people. And so uh, God says, okay, I, I want you to go tell them a message for me. So that's, you can now go to a different slide. Um, so so jo Jonah says, no, I don't want to do that. So he gets on the boat, pays his money. He's, he's heading as far away as he can. And God says, basically, Mark Magoni translation, I need to stop him. I need to get through to him. And I want him to do what I've called him to do. So he, God causes the storm to come up in the Mediterranean Sea. And the sailors are really freaking out. There's massive storms that happen in the Mediterranean Sea, but this one must have been really bad because the sailors are terrified, and they're trying to make the ship as light as it can to, to not sink when the, when the waves are coming in. So they're throwing off the cargo, and everything they can throw out, they're throwing out. And they're praying their, their, to their gods, and they're saying, you know, we need help. Now, what's Jonah doing? Now, you would think the prophet of the Lord would be also interceding, also praying. But you see the sailors doing what the prophet should be doing. Well, he's, Jonah's asleep in the bottom of the ship. So they go wake him up and they say, man, you need to get up and help us out. And you need to pray to your God because he had told them why he was leaving uh, and what he, why he was on the boat for. And uh, so they're, they're wanting, you know, engage, man, do something, help us out here. This is bad. We're going to die. Well, then they decide we got to figure out why this is happening because everybody's praying. and nothing's happening. So they cast lots and the lot fell to Jonah. And that's a way of figuring out who did what. And it's an ancient way of trying to figure things out. And when Jonah finds out everybody's looking to him, because he's the reason, he said, you're right. I'm the reason why this bad stuff is happening to you. And I don't want you guys to perish. Why don't you just throw me overboard? Because God is, he's trying to get, get my attention. And they said, no, we don't, we don't throw you overboard. Well, they end up throwing him overboard eventually. And the storm stops. And here's Jonah in the middle of the sea, and he's going to drown. There's no way he can swim to an island close by. There's no way he, he's basically going to perish. And God in God's mercy decides that he's going to go and rescue this fellow. So he doesn't send another ship. He doesn't send another boat. He doesn't send a helicopter with a Coast Guard. He decides to get one of his larger creations to go give him a ride. 
so this big fish comes and swallows Jonah. Now, how many of you guys watched Pinocchio growing up? You know, the, the little wooden boy and, and Japanto, you know, they got in the belly of the, the whale. You know, you, you remember that scene from, from Disney. Well, anyway, so Jonah is basically in the belly of this fish for three days. In chapter 2, you see the prayer that Jonah, a part of a prayer probably that Jonah's praying. And he's, and he's coming to his senses and he's saying, you know, God, I basically have been blessed by you. You have, you have spared my life. You know, I am in the wrong. And God says, okay, he's in a better state of mind now. So he commands the fish to go and spit Jonah out. And what, is, what does that sound, sound like? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, isn't that fun to say? I've said it once before. So Jonah decides, okay, God's giving me a second chance. And, and so he travels the 550 miles to Nineveh, to this wicked city. It takes three days to walk through the city. It's that large. We find out there's 120 people living there. 120,000, 120,000 people in there. And Jonah basically says five things, five words. You know, in 40 days, the city will be overthrown. In Hebrew, there's five words. So in 40 days, y'all got 40 days to get your act together. And at the end of 40 days, the city's going to be overthrown. He doesn't elaborate. So when you read, the, usually the words of, of the prophet are, are lengthy. You guys have done this. God's going to do that. He, you know, God is a little bit more specific about things. And maybe God had told Jonah some other things to say. But Jonah, all we know that Jonah said was, hey, in 40 days, the city's going to be overthrown. That word in Hebrew can mean destroyed or it can mean transformed. It's, uh, so there's a positive spin on it and there's also a very detrimental spin. So that's all Jonah does. He walks around saying, in 40 days, the city's going to be overthrown. Well, sometimes people listen to prophets, right? And sometimes people don't. Well, what happened in this city, these massive, this massive city, these warriors, these, these, these men that have just conquered other kingdoms, these people that are so brutal, that are so hostile, when they hear what Jonah says, in my understanding, the Holy Spirit took it and convicted them, but they repent. And they take off their fancy clothes and all their nice, you know, jewelry, and they put on sackcloth, which is kind of like burlap. Very rough, very, very plain, you know, very humble. And they begin to sit in the dust and in ashes. It's it's an ancient way of repenting and being humble. Because they say there's a being that is more powerful than we are, and if we don't get right with this creator, this being that, that is there, we're going to be destroyed. When the king hears the message, the king repents, takes off his royal clothes and puts on burlap, puts on sackcloth, and says even the animals need to be covered with ashes. Even the animals don't need to walk around with pomp and circumstance like they used to because we're, we're so great, we're so mighty. So the, the story basically is that the entire city responds with humility and repentance, trusting that the God that could destroy them also is a God of mercy and compassion and will be willing if they are humble and, and beseech Him to change His mind and to spare them. And that's exactly what God does. 
verse 10 of chapter 3 says, When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked ways, then God relented concerning the calamity which He had declared He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. Chapter 4, But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. Now you would think a prophet, if says the word that God wants him to say, and people respond in the way God wants them to respond, that the prophet would say, Woo, man, God, thank you for being, let me be a part of what you're doing. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. Man, what, what an exciting transformation. And uh, that's not, Jonah becomes angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was it not what I said while I was still in my own country? In other words, God, didn't I say this to you when I was back in Israel? Isn't this something we talked about when you told me to go and preach to these people? Isn't this something we've already said? Then he says this, Therefore, in order to forestall this, this you know, mercy of you, this ability to forgive, to forestall it, I fled to Tarsus. For I knew that thou art a God of compassion, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, and one who would relent concerning calamity. In other words, Jonah said, God, you've revealed enough about yourself, and I know that I know that I know that you, even though you are holy and righteous and you are going to destroy these people, which I was hoping you would do, you know, that if they repented, if they believed the message and they humbled themselves because of your mercy and because of your compassion, and even though you're righteous and holy, you would be willing to in your grace, forgive even the Assyrians. Even these people who are so bad. God, you are willing to do that. And Jonah was angry with God because of God's compassion. And then we see that uh, Jonah leaves the city. He can't, he, can't even, he can't even celebrate with them the good things that God has done. He's, he's so upset. He goes to the other side. He's, he's outside the city. And he sits outside the city. And God causes a, a plant to grow up and, and shade him from the sun. And then there's a worm that comes and eats the plant. And the plant dies. And then Jonah is scorched in the sun. And he's upset with God again. Verse 9 of chapter 4. We'll come to a conclusion here. Then God did, said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? Because he was mad that the plant died. And he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. In other words, there's been a couple of times where Jonah said, Man, just, I want to die. I would rather die than see this good happen to Nineveh. I would rather die than be able to, to, to celebrate with them the good things that you've done. It's better for me to die, uh, which is extreme. Uh, and then he said this, uh, God said this, And the Lord said, You have compassion on a plant, for which you did not work, and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Verse 11, chapter 4, last verse of this book. And shall I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left hand, as well as many animals? And God's saying, Jonah, why are you angry with me for having compassion on people who don't deserve my love but have my love? They don't know me. They don't know the right hand from the left. Basically saying, they don't, they don't walk with me like the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like your people are walking with me. And your people are, are rebelling against me. Your people are forsaking me. And these people, they don't even know me. But when they get just enough of information about me, they respond in the way that I want all people to respond, 
to my grace. And the bottom line is, is, man, Jonah couldn't even celebrate that. Now that takes my mind to the New Testament. When Jesus tells the parable in Luke 15 about what we call the prodigal son, the boy who leaves his dad, takes the inheritance that is going to get to him when his dad dies, and squanders it with loose living. He's out living, you know, large and, and spending money and being immoral and doing all these things he shouldn't do. And he comes to the end of the money. He has no money left. Nobody's helping him out. There's a famine that hits the land. Everybody's suffering. Everybody's hurting. He can't get a job. And he finally gets a job feeding pigs, right? Slopping the hogs, which in the mind of the people listening to Jesus tell this parable, thinking, wow, he's about as low as he could get. Finally comes to his senses and he comes home to his dad and says, you know, Father, I've sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm not even worthy to be your son. Please, if you'll just take me back, make me a higher servant. And the father in that parable is like God Almighty and how he responds to the repentant sinner. And the father in that parable embraces his son and kisses him and says to the servants, you know, put sandals on his feet and a robe on his back and let's put the ring on his finger again. He's a son of mine. He who is dead is alive. He who is lost has been found. And know that calf that we've been fattening up, let's kill it. Let's throw a big party. Let's celebrate because my son is back. And they have a great party. And at the end of that parable, the older son who's remained with his father, who's remained faithful, who's not done anything wrong per se, comes home and hears the celebration and says, what's going on? They said, man, your younger brother is back and he's alive and your dad was so excited. He was so relieved. He was so happy. He killed the fatty calf and they're throwing a party. Man, come on in and celebrate. And what does the older brother do? He said, no way. I am so angry. I am so ticked off, to use a modern way of saying it. Man. Just like Jonah. Jonah's like, God, why? And the older brother's saying, Dad, why? Because when the father comes to talk to the son in that parable, he said, hey, boy, Mark McGonney translation, what you doing out here, man? Come on in and celebrate. And the boy says, why? How? I've been faithful to you all these years. I've not done anything wrong, and, and you've not even killed a calf for my friends to celebrate. And, and then my younger brother, he squandered all your wealth. He's gone out and lived terribly. We've heard rumors and we embarrassed the family name, and here you are welcoming him back and throwing a party for him. Why? And the dad said, man, we have to do that. It's the right thing to do. Because your brother was dead, but now he's alive. And as I look at Jonah, as I look at that other brother, as I, I, I think there's so many truths we can glean from Jonah's story. But one of them that hits me right in the face is, is to take the mirror and look at myself. And how do I respond when I hear people being given mercy and compassion and grace from God and forgiveness as opposed to what they should get, what they should deserve, what should be coming their way. And do I act like Jonah? Do, do I get angry with God? God, why are you being good to them? Why are you forgiving them? Why are you being compassionate toward them when what they've done is so terrible? 
And then I can get all self-righteous and say, well, I haven't done those things. You know, why, why would you be compassionate to them? So may the Lord help us to be like Almighty God, like the Father in that parable, and, 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 and respond to the goodness of God with celebration. Amen. Because we see in Jonah lots of things. One is that God gave him a second chance. Amen. I mean, God could have said, okay, Jonah, you're running from me. You're being disobedient. That's it. Your, your prophet days are over. I'm going to let you drown in the sea. God didn't do that. God, just like Peter, when Peter messed up, Jesus said, man, I want to restore you. I want to, you're going to be one of the leaders in the church. When you and I mess up, God is ready to say, hey, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep using you for good. But how we respond to others and how we judge others is so important. And I think, I think Jonah really helps me um, put that mirror on myself and say, how am I doing when it comes to celebrating the good in someone's life that I don't think they deserve good? Or being judgmental with somebody saying, God, I hope they get what they deserve. That was so bad what they did. I want Christ-likeness in me and I want Christ-likeness in you. And I think Jonah's but God story can be very convicting and very telling.